Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a um, life coach from Texas who has thrown a lifeline to individuals looking to kickstart their spiritual journeys and self-discovery in his new book, What If Jesus Were a Coach. His name is Michael Taylor, and he joins me by phone. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for an opportunity to share a positive message today. And I and I have to ask: Is the the title of the book "What If Jesus Were a Coach"? Is that a rhetorical question? Isn't Jesus kind of understood as the ultimate coach? Well, in in the context of the book, absolutely. But the whole intention of the book is: What if you removed all the religious dogma and doctrine from religion about his teaching? and simply looked at him as a life coach that came here to teach you how to live an extraordinary life. Now, for me, growing up, I was absolutely terrified of Jesus because my grandparents were very religious people, and they were always calling me a sinner and telling me how bad I was. And So I had a really negative connotation about Jesus for most of my life. As a matter of fact, I actually became an atheist in my 30s. And so after a spiritual journey that I went on myself, I came to a different understanding. And so what I want to do is share my journey with others. For those of us who are looking for, you know, a spiritual connection without being attached to religious dogma and doctrine, here's a great opportunity for you to have a different way, a different perspective of seeing Jesus and his teaching. You know, you mentioned that you became an atheist. And I guess the question is, um, and I was reading something about you that said uh, along uh, you were doing some research that led you to some spiritual discoveries and, and ultimately might uh, create an arc between being an atheist and, and writing this book that, that talks about spirituality. Um, what were you researching to begin with that, that caused you to turn in that direction? Well, first of all, Tom, let me share this. I was living the American dream at the age of 23. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all of that. And by society standards, I was pretty successful. And within about a six and a half year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. As I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, <laughs> a foreclosure, a deep state of depression. I was actually homeless for two years living out of my car. And so during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed looking across the room at my bookshelf when I happened to notice 
that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head. Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And as a result of asking that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology and philosophy and metaphysics and personal development. So I went on this amazing journey of transformation. And during that journey, I actually uh, gained the courage to go to therapy. And in therapy, I started to understand how my traumatic childhood had actually impacted my life as an adult. And so in my little mind, I kind of rationalized. Why do I need God? Because if I can heal my childhood wounds because I had started feeling better, I was happier, my life was working, so why did I need this thing called God? And so I held that view for several years, but then I continued my research and I started reading philosophy and so forth. And I said, well, maybe the problem isn't God. Maybe the problem is what I was taught about God. And so in asking myself that question, I went on this amazing journey and started studying the major religion, and then came to my own truth and understanding about God, and that's what I share through this book. In studying those religions, did you find that at the core of them all is a very similar message? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it is my belief that every religion originates from the same source and leads to the same place. I choose to call this source divine intelligence. It is my belief that there is a divine intelligence that created and is still creating this amazing universe that we live in. And we all have access to this divine intelligence, and religion is supposed to guide us to making a connection to that divine intelligence. Unfortunately, in my opinion, a lot of religions do the opposite. <laughs> it pulls us away from the divine intelligence because it convinces us that there is something outside of us that's driving our lives, when in reality, everything is happening within us. And that really revolves around the way religions are taught, not just Christianity, but other religions around the world, and, and the fact that it's people doing the teaching, and, and sometimes they're not actually interpreting things the same way. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. Because did you know that there were over 40,000 40, different versions of Christianity alone? That blew me away when I found that out. So if you think about it, so there's 40,000 different versions or interpretations of this book called the Bible. Now, isn't it interesting that we're reading the same book and yet we've got 40,000 different ways to look at it? So my belief is that if we're willing to go on our own spiritual journey, come up with our own interpretation of what's true for us, that's when we begin, begin what I'll call living a truly spiritual life. I've always said that the two most uh, misquoted, misinterpreted uh, books in human history or, or documents in human history were uh, the U.S. Constitution and the uh, Holy Bible. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I, when I started doing my research, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a pretty rational guy. And one of the reasons why I really struggled uh, with religion in general, because to me, it was absolutely irrational and illogical. It just didn't make sense. 
But then when I started doing my research and I started approaching the Bible from a metaphysical, metaphorical perspective, meaning the Bible definitely wasn't written to be taken literally. It is a series of stories and allegories that applies to our lives today if we're willing to interpret them that way. So I was raised up in what I'll call a fear-based religion. <laughs> because again, I was taught this whole idea of I was born a sinner and I was, you know, I had to repent of my sins in order to get into heaven and all of that. And so even as a kid... Well, Michael, it, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, you know, being brought up believing that God and or Jesus was spying on you constantly and that the end days were right around the next corner. Right. Yeah, and so and that's where the, the, the guilt, the fear, the anxiety comes from organized religion because organized religions in the West generally are fear-based. And so what I'm suggesting is there is a love-based approach to looking at God and Jesus. And so in this book, basically I share, once again, my interpretations. I basically talk about, there's a chapter on sin and punishment, why I disagree with it and why I don't believe it's actually accurate. I talk about, you know, my 10 favorite lessons from Jesus' teachings, which, again, when I was in, in church as a kid, I was always told never to question God. And I, I, told, I remember telling a minister once, I said, look, I'm not questioning God. I'm questioning what you're teaching about God. So I just need you to help me understand some of this. And I could never get the minister to answer my question. So for me, once again, I went on my own journey to find my own truth. And I, I identified what I, what I believe are my 10 favorite lessons that Jesus taught and how you can apply those 10 powerful, positive lessons to your life. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who was working on an interpretation of the Bible that whittled it all down, at least the New Testament, to the teachings of Christ. Yeah, and interestingly enough, I read a book by a guy named Thich Nhat Hanh, and it was called Living Buddha, Living Christ. And in the book, he shows the parallels between the teachings of Buddha and the teachings of Jesus. And they were almost identical. And once again, I believe all spiritual masters teach the same message. And the message that they're trying to teach is that as human beings, we have access to God. Now, God is a loaded word. And so I, again, I define God as a divine intelligence that created and is still creating this amazing universe. So it's nothing that is outside of us. It is something that is inside of us. It is something that is in us, and everyone has access to it. So once again, it's really a matter of choice, and we get to choose how we interpret what our truth is. And so this book is simply an opportunity for people to rethink what they believe about God. I, I want to get into... Um some of the some of the ten things that you use uh, in the book, but but first I I want to ask about something because of the similarities, whether it's Christ and Buddha or it, in the teachings of these various religions. When you study the religions and and what they say, and we mentioned earlier that um, that at the core of most religions is pretty much the same message, and, and it is one, as you mentioned, of love. How do people get it so wrong? 
not just here in the United States about Christianity, but around the world and, you know, about Islam and uh, Judaism and and all kinds of, of religions and faiths. Is there, for someone who doesn't believe in the rigid teachings um, that have been interpreted from the Bible, um, is is there an evil that good is doing battle with? In my experience and what my belief is, that there is but one presence and one power in the universe. That presence and power is God, you can use that term, or, in my experience, is love. Love is basically God. In, in, in a literal sense, love is God. God is love. Love is the animating force of life. Love is the intelligence that permeates the universe. It's the, it's the intelligence that keeps the planets al- aligned. It is that intelligence that causes the body to heal. In my experience, that is love. That is the source of all things. And so in the book, uh, the second chapter I ask is, how do you see God? And I think that's where we need to begin. How do you see God? So as you're listening to this right now, answer that question for yourself. How do you see God? Do you see God as this old white guy up in the clouds taking notes of your life, waiting for you to screw up so he can send you to hell? Do you see God as this anthropomorphic being? See, because most of us believe that God is like a human being, and God has feelings and emotions, and he acts like a human being. But God is spirit. God isn't a human being that, you know, passing judgment and wanting to punish us. God is the intelligence behind all things. And when we learn to access that and understand that the core, the source of all things is that love, or what I like to call consciousness, which is to me is the same thing, at the core of everything, everything originates from pure consciousness, from pure love. And if we can wrap our minds around that, it gives us a positive way to view God. But again, I, I have to wonder if there's only one force and that force is love. How is there so much hate in the world? Because people have separated themselves from that love. And when people are separated from that love, then they act out in what we might consider to be evil ways. If we are authentically connected to that love, there is no way we can harm another. All of the teachings of Jesus pointed to the simple idea, love one another, right? So when people get attached to religion, and religion promotes exclusivity, for example, if you don't believe what they believe, then you can't be a part of their group. And so most religions, or shall I say a lot of religions, have promoted this idea of separation and difference, when in reality, true spirituality is about oneness. It's about all human beings are created equal. All human beings have access to this divine intelligence. But once again, when religion interpreted the Bible, they interpreted from a human perspective versus a spiritual perspective. But the true masters taught us to see things from a spiritual perspective. And when we do, there's only love. Michael, I have to put a comma there because I have a break coming up. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Sure. All right. My guest is Michael Taylor. He is the author of a book called What If Jesus Were a Coach? And uh, we're going to have more with Michael right after this. Everybody's doing 
it on Brand New Dance Now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Attorney General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the author of a uh, new book called What If Jesus Were a Coach? He is uh, Texas Life Coach Michael Taylor. He joins me by phone. Michael, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. It's sorry to make you sit through all that. Not a problem at all. Glad to have the conversation. Um, Michael, we were talking uh, a little bit about... Um, Love versus hate. Um, you were saying that in in your opinion and based on some of the research that you've done and looked at, uh, included in your book, that you believe that all religions have at their core the, the same basic function, and that is uh, to spread a message of love. And, Absolutely. And we were talking a little bit about if if the primary if the prime directive from all of these religions is is a message of love um why is there so much hate in the world and and i was asking if there's a good versus evil war being battled and you seem to think that hate results from people just sort of going astray from that message because they've been driven away by the way the message has been taught or practiced um, in various organized religions, but they're not being pulled away by some evil force. Absolutely correct. Now, here's something else I learned. Over the last 30 to 40 years, organized religion has been seeing a steady decline. And it's, 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 actually, shall I say, getting worse. People are moving away from organized religion. Now, the media would have you believe that we're headed down a, a path of destruction and, and immorality, but I don't see it that way. I believe people are moving away from organized religion because they're wanting to connect to something bigger than themselves, and they understand that organized religion may not be a way for them to get there. So in order to create what I'll call an intimate connection with something greater than yourself, which I'll use the word God, in order to connect to God, you don't have to have organized religion. You have to be willing to open your mind and heart to the existence of something bigger than yourself. And so people aren't moving away from organized religion because, you know, that they're, we're becoming more immoral. But what I believe is humanity is actually waking up. And we're waking up to, as human beings, the fact that we have direct access to divine intelligence. We don't have to have a minister. We don't have to have anyone outside of us to help us connect to that. If we will allow ourselves to come to our own truth and understanding, connect to the source of all things, which I call divine intelligence, and when we do, what we'll recognize is that as human beings, we're all the same. We're all intimately connected to each other. And when we come to that understanding, evil disappears. Because you would never hurt yourself. <laughs> you will never do anything to hurt yourself because if we recognize that the other, the other person, if you will, is really not the other. It's just an extension of me. It's just a part of me. We're all connected. Then 
we move into a more spiritual understanding of love, and therefore, most of this quote-unquote evil goes away. And if you interpret the, the chronology of the Bible the way it's typically taught, um, Christ is said to have... Uh, had a ministry that lasted about three years, from age 30 to 33. And in that time, and, and you said in the last segment, Michael, that, that you um, gleaned some of Jesus' teachings uh, to put together a, a list, mm, not of commandments, but maybe guidelines, or, or I don't know how you would even describe it, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, for your book, um, in that three years, how much did Jesus actually impart in terms of uh, good coaching? Well, here, here's how I see it, Tom. I think the problem we have in, with organized religion for most of us, we believe that Christ is Jesus' last name, right? We hear Jesus Christ. But the truth is, in my research, this is what I discovered. Jesus was the Christed one. So Jesus was a personality. He was a man. God demonstrated the perfection of itself through Jesus, the Christ. Now, the way I see it, the Christ is the true son of God, if you will. Jesus came to teach us how to access the Christ that is within us. And so if we'll, if we'll make that slight distinction, Jesus versus the Christ, and understand that as a human being, we are all divine personalities in the mind of God. And Jesus came to an understanding of his oneness with God, and he wanted to teach us how to do the same thing that he did. So when we move away from the religion and understand the idea that there is a creator, or shall I say a source of all things, we are connected to that source. If that source is love, <laughs> then what are we connected to? We are connected to love. We are an expression of love. And so it is our responsibility to connect to that love and express that love. And when we do, all the social ills will sort of clear up. And this thing called evil, if you will, will also disappear. And um, are there... Are there directions? Directions for... And, and I'm getting back to what are these, these ten teachings, or are they teachings or conclusions that you've made from those teachings? Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to get at how much was Jesus able to express to us, and, and what... Uh, what is the true meaning of those messages? Is it a roadmap? Is it directions on how to, you know, how to how to reach a higher power, etc.? Well, I believe that his teachings were there are there to help us access the divinity within us. So, in my understanding, when I talk about my ten favorite lessons from Jesus, the first one that I mentioned is when Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is within you. He said, uh, you know, 
um, don't look outside of yourself. He said, seek ye first the kingdom. So why did he say, seek ye first the kingdom? And then why did he say the kingdom is within you? Well, for me, what I believe he was pointing to was that as a human being, we have to access the kingdom, which is our own mind. How do we access our deepest held beliefs, uh, thoughts, feelings about who we are as human beings? When we do that first, and in the book I talk about when I went to therapy and I started dealing with some of the emotional uh, issues I had from my traumatic childhood, and I started healing all of those traumas. Well, in healing all of those traumas, I was entering the kingdom. I was removing all the negative feelings that I had from my traumatic childhood. I was removing all the limiting beliefs I had about God from all the religious teachings that I had. And therefore, I was able to enter what I'll consider my kingdom, which is my truth and connection to source. So ultimately, I believe that's the first step. We have to be willing, when to, in order to enter the kingdom, is to ask ourselves, what are our beliefs about God? What are the, some of the things that we learned about God as kids that we're still holding on to that we never really challenged or questioned? So entering the kingdom simply means we become willing to look at our deeply held beliefs about ourselves, about God, and the world around us. And what are some of the, uh, the, the other teachings that, that made your 10 favorites list? Well, for me, I think the most powerful thing Jesus said in the Bible was he said, whatever you ask in my name, you shall receive. Now, it's interesting that conservative Christians, when I say that, and they talk about how they believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible, but when I say that, and I say that Jesus means that literally, they say, well, not really. Well, for me, I believe that's a literal statement. Whatever you ask in my name, you shall receive it. So for me, once again, the Christ is the divine aspect of God that is in all of us. So when he said that, what I believe, because again, we are divine creators. If we are connected to source, God, then God speaks to us through divine ideas. Ideas are the currency of the universe. So when we first go through the kingdom, connect to the kingdom, connect to who we are, and then we recognize that we are connected to God, then there is absolutely nothing we cannot accomplish. Because God gives us the idea, we then have to have the faith to move toward that idea. But again, that, that's probably my favorite quote in the Bible when he said, you know, whatever you ask of for me, <laughs> I've always had a dream of owning my own company. So, guess what? I said I want to start my own publishing company. But, I Michael, absolutely- what's to prevent somebody from, from taking what you just said and, and assuming that means they can say, well, um, I, I wish for a million dollars in Jesus' name? Well, again, we, we have thoughts, and then we have divine ideas, and there is a distinction to be made. A divine idea comes from the soul. Now, most of us will say, I want a million dollars, or I want this, I want that. So those are just thoughts that we have. But there is what I call a heart's desire. A heart's desire is a 
special purpose that God has given us to manifest here in this reality. So I have known since I was 14 years old that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was 14 years old. So there was a divine desire to always be an entrepreneur, a business person. In order for a person to be fulfilled, they have to learn, or shall I say, discover their heart's desire, not just an ego-driven want. There's a big difference. Because, again, the ego wants a lot of different stuff. But a desire is something that's in you already. And when you wake up to that desire, then you have found your true purpose. And and so the the book that you've written again, my uh, my guest is uh, Michael Taylor, author of a book called "What If Jesus Were a Coach." Um, what you're laying out in the book is how to discover the difference. Yes, exactly. And, and and here's another thing, Tom. So in the book, I ask the question: What is Christianity? Now, are you familiar with uh, Joseph Campbell? No, I don't. I, I'm not yeah, sure. Joseph Campbell was a, a, a guy that studied mythology, and he came up with a concept called the hero's journey. And he called it the, a monomyth, meaning that within every story, there's this, there's this process that we go through. There's 12 stages. And so if you're familiar with the movie Star Wars, the movie Star Wars was based on Joseph Campbell's theory of the hero's journey. Well, in the book, I show how the 12 stages of the hero's journey actually apply to Jesus's life and how his life went through the 12 stages. And everyone listening to this program has the same hero's journey if they're willing to begin it. <laughs> and so the, the hero's journey it's simply a process, it's a, it's a human process that we go through to discover who we really are. And so Christianity, in my opinion, is the process of becoming Christ-like. When we go through this process, we connect to our divinity. And once again, if you look at Jesus' life, it tells the story of that. For example, you know, Jesus... Uh, started preaching when he was like 12. He walks into, you know, this place and starts preaching, and they're wondering, how's this kid, you know, he's 12 years old or whatever, and, and, and where did he get this knowledge from? Well, that was the beginning of his hero's journey. He, he woke up to, if you will, his divine purpose at a very young age. Okay, so that was his call to the, to the adventure. Well, all of us as human beings, we have these calls that we unfortunately don't pay attention to a lot of times. But we're generally being called to do something amazing. But we get distracted. We get distracted by society. We get distracted by culture. And so Christianity, I believe, is the process that we wake up to, or, or shall I say, when we go on this journey, we wake up to become Christ-like. And that Christ-like journey, you'll go through the same things that Jesus went through, in a sense. Is, is that journey akin to, say, Homer's Odyssey? Yes, yes, because actually um, Joseph Campbell talked a little bit about that in his work. So there's a there's a consistent theme here, right? That this 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 journey of being human, right? 
we, we have this amazing experience. We have this amazing gift called life. And to make sense of it, <laughs> I believe it's important to see it through a spiritual lens. Now, once again, I used to be an atheist, so I, I relied heavily on my intellect and thinking. But you have to understand that it's more of an intuitive feeling that will drive you to, along your hero's journey, not just your intellect. And that's the real challenge for most of us, because it's difficult sometimes to wrap our minds around some of the things maybe that we want to do. But that's where faith comes in. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. And so when we begin this journey, it begins with a leap of faith. Yeah, but that's, that's a tough ask of people who have been told that if they have faith in the teachings of the organized religious leaders, um, that, that all will be given to them. And they feel burned by that. And then, you know, someone else, whether it's you or Joseph Campbell or Homer, says, you know, if you have faith, um, these things will be granted to you. It's that's a tough one for people to accept. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. Because again, when our when I started this journey uh, as an atheist, <laughs> having faith didn't fit into my 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 paradigm, if you will. But what I have come to know is that everything happens for a reason, and there's this divine intelligence, as I mentioned, that permeates the universe, and we. You've, I'm sure you've heard the term, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So there's someone who's listening to this program right now, may have been questioning, you know, whether or not they believe in God, or, or may be an atheist, or may just be, even as a Christian, saying, you know, some of those things don't align with my values. Well, I, again, I believe that the universe is perfect, and I believe there's a message that's coming across for the people who are ready to hear it. Because there are a lot of people who are going to completely reject everything that I'm saying. And that's okay. Because what I'm sharing is my truth. I'm not saying it is the truth. I'm saying it's my truth. And if my truth resonates with you, then it might be a good opportunity for you to listen to and learn from my truth. In hopes of discovering your own truth. Exactly. Exactly. That is absolutely perfect, because you have to come to your own truth and understanding. I can guide you, but I can't get you there. You have to get there on your own. How did you ultimately end up deciding to write the book, Michael? Well, this is actually book number 10. I love, I love writing. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is just, this is the book that I've been sort of stewing around with for the past three or four years, because I'm a firm believer in meditation and I've been meditating for more than 30 years now. And in my meditation, I just, I got this idea. What if Jesus were a coach? And so when I do my meditation, I keep a little notepad there and I'll write down these little ideas. And once again, I believe ideas are the divine currency of the universe. So I wrote down the title, and then I just started listening. And all of a sudden, some ideas started, you know, coming around. And I've been journaling for more than 30 years. And I've actually journaled uh, my, my journey, um, starting from being an atheist to now where I am. And so I just took some ideas 
that have really helped me in my spiritual journey. I said, look, I just want to share what I've learned in hopes of empowering others. And the response that I'm getting right now confirms what I've always believed. People are hungry for spiritual connection. But unfortunately, a lot of times we don't get that spiritual connection in organized religion. So I'm asserting that you can get that spiritual connection without religion. Yeah, and you quote um, some, some data released by the Pew Research Center to back up what you've been saying about people dropping away from religious, uh, from organized religions. Yeah, and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, Christianity has been declining for the last 30 years. There's a category that the Pew uses called nuns, meaning they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And right now, the nuns category, there are more people in the nuns category than in the religious category. People are disconnecting from religion. But once again, I believe we're not doing it because of immorality. We're doing it because we're seeking something deeper. And so there's this, from my perspective, I'm an irrepressible optimist. And there's a woman by the name of Barbara Marks Hubbard. And she wrote this amazing book called Conscious Evolution. And in her book, she talks about how human beings are still evolving. And she says we're evolving, not physically, obviously, but we're evolving in consciousness. And so I believe as human beings, we are still evolving in consciousness. And this evolution in consciousness is what's driving our move away from organized religion. Because human beings are smarter now. They understand they don't have to just take it for face value what they were taught. We have access to so much information. We have access to religions from all over the world. I live in Houston, Texas. And when I started this journey, I mean, in Houston, we have Buddhist temples. We have Indian temples. We have Jewish synagogues. We have all these amazing houses of worship that I went and visited. And I talked to the people there. And I learned from them. So this evolution in consciousness, we have access to ask ourselves deeper questions about God. And we just have to come to our own conclusions. But we have to be willing to ask the questions first. Michael, we have to bring it to a close here. I can't believe how fast the time has gone, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more. Obviously, the book, uh, What If Jesus Were a Coach by Michael Taylor is uh, a good place to start. But Michael, do you have a website? Yeah, actually, if they go to www.jesuswasacoach.com, jesuswasacoach.com, and they can gain access to a free chapter to see if that's something that aligns with them, and they can get a sense of the content of the book. And if it aligns with them, then they can purchase the book right on that website. Well, Michael, thank you so much for spending uh, this time and, and uh, your observations with me and the listeners, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. All right. Take care. Again, that's uh, Texas Life Coach Michael Taylor talking about his new book, What If Jesus Were a Coach? If you're listening to us on uh, WFOV, uh, 
92.1 LPFM, our voices radio in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
chair, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From the Tom Sumner Show. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One by to see my minister yesterday. You know what my minister told me? He was saying how much pressure women are under from the devil and how the devil just hounds women. You know, that's rough, too, being a minister. I mean, he told me, he said, you're coming here complaining about your problems, and I got to wage this constant battle against the devil. I said, yeah, Rev. <laughs> he told me his wife came in the house a few days before, and she had this box. And on the side of this box was written the name of a very exclusive dress shop. The lowest dress was $85. That was on sale. <laughs> so she walks in the house, and Rev says, another dress? You bought another dress? This is ridiculous. That's the third dress this week. And his wife tells him, the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> Said, I didn't want to buy no dress. The devil kept following me. I was going down the street going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the devil kept following me and he kept telling me how good I look. <laughs> Rev said, I'm not going for that. Said, every time you do something wrong, you blame it on the devil. So you blamed it on the devil when you ran the car to the side of the church. <laughs> it was the devil. You wasn't there. How do you know? He grabbed the steering wheel out of my hand. I said, well, why didn't you step on the brake? Said, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. <laughs> I can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said, and we had a big fight. And that's why I was in the back seat when you all got the call. <laughs> Griff said, well, how'd the devil get you to buy the dress? She said, I was going out of the mm-hmm, And the devil sneaked up behind me, sneaked. I heard him tip it to you know. I didn't want to look around because I knew it was the devil, you know. <laughs> the devil came up behind me, he said, he said, uh, say, mama, look at the dress in the window there. He <laughs> said, that's your size, too. He said, it's on sale, too. Got a lot of them flowers in it like you like, you know. So why don't you treat yourself to that dress? And I told him, you better cut that out, devil. <laughs> I already bought two dresses this week. I'm not gonna buy no dress. I'm not even gonna look at it. Devil said, well, why don't you try it on? He said, I'm not gonna charge, charge you nothing to try it on. I mean, that's free. You owe yourself a try on. <laughs> I said, devil, you better leave me alone. <laughs> and he shoved me in the door. The devil just shoved me in that door. He pushed 
in the door. I said, devil, stop it, please. You gonna buy that dress? I said, I'm not buying no dress, devil. And he pulled the gun. <laughs> devil pulled a gun and he threatened me and made me sign your name to a check. Griff <laughs> said, look, said, how come every time the devil makes you do something, it's something for your benefit? When's the devil gonna do me a favor? And his wife tells him, he did already. I asked the devil about that. He said, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't even have a job. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Oh, oh, oh. 
for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 